new wave of kaiju cinema. A poem of a monster moving picture. Cinematic transcendentalism. It's Gamera versus Zegra. Could have benefited from a uh, new wave music. <laughs> <laughs> I did think it was quite transcendent, though. Just the overall experience, Alex. Uh, yeah. I mean, if you wanted to transcend from having a good time with all these gamma movies to not having, then yes, it was no. transcendent. <laughs> uh, anyways, welcome back to the Monsters vs. Men podcast, where we are trying our best to stay alive here at the bargain basement of the Kaiju podcasting airwaves. I'm Eric. And I'm Alex. <laughs> <laughs> A.K.A. Zegra. That's right. Uh, well, Alex, we have uh, Henry the Host on um the podcast as a guest he's the, he's the host of it came from a monster movie podcast and i want to give him plenty of time so let's jump right in to the film shall we yes let's not waste time all right as, <laughs> we never do <laughs> <No>. <laughs> as the penultimate film of gamera showa era a new monster arrives to challenge gamera part shark part bird part cellular suspender Zegra arrives to take over the sea and hunt all the land animals, mainly us humans. But does the film match the intentions of its antagonist and how it's made? Or is the film filleted like its antagonist (laughs) in being played? Uh, I think like Zegra, this film deserves to be burned at the hands of Gamera. It it only has a couple moments that I think are actually intentionally good. Like, but the rest of the time, I'm laughing at the film for all the wrong reasons. And I'll tell you what, I'm glad Cece was in the room. She didn't watch really watch much of the movie, but whenever she glanced up, mm-hmm. she had some pretty funny commentary on whatever was happening. And it kept me going through the darkest of times. Well, that's that's good, Alex, because I have this theory that, you know, you and Cece, sometimes when you watch a movie, you guys just have the synergy that comes together. Oh, yeah. And you come away, like, influencing each other. It's electric. And how you feel about it. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm glad that maybe she influenced you a little positively this time around. Because, you know, I started watching this film way too late at night, and usually that's not a good thing right. for these films. But this time, I didn't just stay awake. I was fully engaged throughout the pro- process. Part of that was, I think for me, was the delight of seeing something that I had no idea what was going to happen next. Mm. But the other part was the fact that I was laughing, not at the film, in my opinion, but with the film. Hmm. See, I'm going to disagree with you and say most of the comedy here is intentional. It is a wild ride from beginning to end. And as I said, it is intentionally funny most of the time. But I do agree, the tone of the film, especially in the first act, it causes some dissonance when we get to the more intentionally funny parts. But let let me ask you, let me ask you, what parts did you laugh at that you thought weren't intentionally funny? And what parts did you see that were actually intentionally funny? So as for the unintentional, uh, it's got to be the pretty much the first half of the movie. And that might be an exaggeration on length, but 
the first half of the movie, I feel like literally every time someone speaks, they give expo- uh, uh, exposition that is just, it's horrendous. It is horrendous and terrifyingly boring. But during my boredom, I started to laugh at how ludicrous things had gotten. I mean, we see Tokyo getting destroyed, and we stopped to learn about seismic activity. I mean, that that really did make me laugh. I could not believe that that was happening in that moment. And then we get all these explanations from Zegra about why he's doing certain things, like growing. We didn't need that. <laughs> We, right, we did right. not. This is a spaceship that just turned into a shark, but yet he has to explain why he's growing. I'm like, we've already suspended our our belief, dear sir. Um, yeah. But I laughed at a lot of that, and I, I laughed at some of the effects in terms of like Gamera when he first falls in the water, wounded from Seagra, and he takes a nap on his mm-hmm. head for a long time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but and then also when the space woman is. Uh, she is deprogrammed or the hypnosis is removed and she, she mm-hmm. does like, she just wipes out for way too long and it, it's yeah. absolutely hysterical, but I really <laughs> do like some of the other moments. I like, I mm-hmm. like the foot protruding from the water where Gamera yeah. is sleeping, <laughs> even though there is a huge continuity error there. It, 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 it actually works and it's pretty funny. I like the Scooby-Doo chase scene where this guy, like that mm-hmm. kind of wacky music. And I, I just, I like the, <laughs> one of my favorite moments is Gamera throwing the rock to see if, if Zegra will wake up and then grabbing the little ship that's resting at the bottom and running off. I thought that was really yeah. funny, even if it made zero sense. Not just because <laughs> why would Gamera do this, but also mm-hmm. makes no sense because why would he attempt to wake up the other monster and then go for it afterwards? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There, there's some pretty funny stuff, but I will say that first half was so boring to me. I wasn't mm. able to take this ride that it sounds like you had. Well, I will say like the first 30 minutes, as I said, there, there are some issues with the tone there, you know, so we get bits of comedy mixed with bits of seriousness that really take away from the comedic moment. So there's that scene, you know, uh, where the kids get ready to leave. uh, And I think that's relatable and humorous, but you know, the, the kids showing up on the doctor's boat is not as realistic, but it's fun when they show up later on in the bathyscape, is that what it's called? Yes, bathys- bath, bath <laughs> escape, bathyscape, something like that. Bathyscape, yeah. Uh, whenever they show up there, it's funny because that's a payoff from the earlier bit in the film, mm-hmm. right? Um, but then we get those attempts at those heavy-handed messages that aren't developed, like the fact that human progress is killing the planet, smog is destroying our oceans. SeaWorld is a great tourist destination. (laughs) (laughs) Intermix that with the fact that Zegra is literally killing tons of people by means of earthquakes. And it's just hard to to balance all of those tones, right? Right. Um, Fortunately, though, I think after the first 30 minutes, the next hour is intentional in its comedy right until the very end. Mm. You know, there's that scene in particular that just had me cracking up where the scientists decide to transmit the like uh, dolphin language signals through the radio and just start making those wacky noises. It it doesn't even have, yeah, it doesn't even have to be a specific scientist that knows the language. You can just 
you know, give the receiver to somebody else and they could make a similar noise and it works yeah, too, right? Yeah, this is the second time transceivers have saved the day. And now, Eric, I, I could not tell if them making that sound was supposed to be funny or not. And I think that's where my there, disconnect there with the film There couldn't be any is. other explanation for it not. <laughs> if it's not meant to be funny, like the fact that they don't even like uh, try to hide the fact and that they just pass off the receiver to somebody new and he makes like a similar noise, but not even right. It's not even that, that close. close to the other person's noise. <laughs> it's like, okay, this is just intentionally over the top goofy and it has me cracking up. Yeah. So I had to run with it. I, I get it. I, I, it was really funny. Like I, I was actually really laughing at that part. I think really the film is, it, it does have a lot of goofy fun in it. And usually I'm, I don't know what it. I'm still trying to put my finger on it, Eric. This is the type of movie I would usually vibe with, and I feel like you would normally hate. And mm. I just could not sync up with it. You know, like sometimes there's those times where you watch a movie and you are just you're not there. Like you're not in that space to watch that type of movie. And I think that this one, the first 30 minutes threw me for such a loop. I just could not sync up with it because while I was still laughing. I was almost, I was completely unwilling to forgive how boring I, it was at the very beginning. But I, I do think that, like you were saying, it has those moments that could redeem it for a lot of people. Uh, that the comedy at the blast bit's pretty funny, and also I like the zebra whenever he lands on land, suddenly has legs, and yeah. then suddenly he doesn't <laughs> have legs, and it's just the whole yeah. thing's weird. I think the ending is also a little slapped together i mean not little it's very slapped together where they just have to explain away the film, them i think the film can be 20 minutes shorter as well i will say yeah. that oh yeah i think 20 minutes shorter would make this a much more enjoyable movie for me but yeah i, I think there is a lot to like here but it just for me it just did not do it and i know that super monster will <laughs> Definitely do it for you next week, Alex. But hey, before before we get into Henry the Host uh, interview, uh, let's talk about NVM Plus for a minute. So this week on NVM Plus, we're going to take a look uh, at your first impressions, Alex, of that Godzilla versus Kong photo uh-huh. that was released this past week. You're going to ask me, I think, about Champions Festival cuts. And I also know that you have started Return of Ultraman, just the first couple episodes. So I want to get your first takes there. And also, this past week, we received our first executive producer, Patreon Patreon supporter of the podcast, Michael Herndon, who will be a part of our credits and have special access to our behind-the-scenes decision-making moving forward. So thank you, Michael. Uh, If you're interested in becoming a patron or even an executive producer alongside Michael, you can find that information and MVM Plus at patreon.com slash MVMPod. Let's get Henry onto the show. All right, so welcome back. A couple weeks ago, we appeared on a special episode of It Came From a Monster Movie Podcast to talk about them. And this week, we welcome on the host of that podcast, Henry, the host. Hello and welcome. It came from a monster movie this week. What do you mean by them? 
Who's them? Oh, man. I was going to ask you to introduce yourself, Henry, but you're already introducing yourself. So, I like, so take a moment, say hello. I like, I, I always like to just confuse people for just a few moments. We're like, oh, crap. Am I listening to that guy's show by accident? I came here for quality, not from it came from a Moss movie nonsense. Uh, but yeah, uh, here I am. I'm Henry, the host. Uh, I've been hosting It Came From a Monster Movie. You know, it's a little ditty with five stars on <laughs> iTunes. <coughs> and, you know, I have a, you know, we're a curator on Tee Public, and, you know, go to Filmocracy because they support us. We might be getting a deal with Movie Spree because I wrote a really nice Ooh. compliment to them about Ultraman. You know, there's, there's <laughs> stuff. I'm a person. You listen to my show. We do everything else. We're I, you guys are the bargain basement of the airways. I think I'm literally the black sheep of this whole podcast community. <laughs> where it's just like, so Henry, you like kaiju films? I'm like, no, I, I like uh, monster movies. I uh, I actually hate the word kaiju. Let me give you my dissertation about how that f- word is appropriative, and let me continue about how we should just be called the die kaiju genre. But you know. You know, that's for Michael's <laughs> podcast when I'm on the Kaiju Groupie guys. That's the literally yeah, the title of my go. episode. Henry hates Kaiju. I just can't. I, I wonder. I wonder why Henry is the Black Sheep podcast. Hmm. Yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> Actually, fun fact: we did review Black Sheep, uh, which is a great movie, great monster movie from New Zealand about uh, killer sheep. And if you get bit by one, you turn into a were sheep. It's the best. It's just. <laughs> The people uh, from all right, Henry, so I, yeah, keep me in reins. Keep me in reins. Yeah, I, yeah. Now I know I know a piece of personal information about you, um, and that's the fact that you actually prefer Gamera to Godzilla. So every day, of tell the week. us why why is Gamera the superior monster to Godzilla? Well, it's. <sighs> It's, it's, he can't it's, even explain it, Eric. No, it's, <laughs> I'm trying to make sure that I don't like go on a super tangent. Um, but it's just like, so like, obviously as a kid, Godzilla was my first uh, giant monster experience. Um, I actually really went into my origin about this on a podcast called Talking uh, During Movies with my friend Jason. When we watched the original 1954 film, and my mom was there, so she could confirm the true story of how my neighbor had got me a Transmasters Godzilla figure. I was just obsessed with this thing to the point where my mom had to hide it because if I had it, I just <laughs> shut down. I like nothing could ever happen. And then I saw Godzilla 1985 for the first time. Um, I cried during the film. Wow! Uh, okay. I actually ran into my parents' room. And, and don't worry, we will talk to Gamera, but I'm just explaining my love of monsters and how this road goes. It all makes sense. Um, <laughs> but it was the first movie I ever rented by myself without my parents like making sure. And, you know, when the movie ended, I was in tears. I ran into my parents' room. They had to console me for 30 minutes. And they're like, oh, man, this movie scared him. Da, 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 da. And then that when they finally got me to talk, I kept saying he didn't have to die. And they were like, who didn't have to die? And I'm like, Godzilla, he's just so big. And like, he didn't mean it. And so like, Uh. thus was the birth of my love for this genre because I cried at the end of Godzilla. The first movie I ever cried at was Godzilla 1985 because I felt like his death in the volcano was unjustified for the mass destruction and murder he did on the Japanese people. But, uh, you know, (laughs) says a lot about me as a person. 
But that's mm-hmm. when I started going straight to the section of the blockbuster near my house uh, where the Godzilla movies were. And I was like going through them a lot. And then eventually I saw this one that I must have at my 10-year-old state goes, I like turtles. Because uh, it was just this, uh, it was just this. Like, I like turtles. I like turtles. I like turtles. And it was this VHS tape with, you know, get what I would find out to be Gamera with this like really funky space shark looking thing. Uh, and I was like, oh, that's not Godzilla, but it's a giant monster. Are there other giant monsters? Let's watch this. And like, I will admit, I I enjoyed the film as I mentioned. I love this is my favorite show, a Gamera film, and I love it so much that the first time I saw it was ten, and the last time I saw it, I was ten um, uh, because uh-huh. it was such like it was such a memorable impact of my life. Uh, wow! And what's funny is my second Gamera film was Gamera versus Jiger, aka Gamera versus Monster X, uh, which got very uh. confusing me at Final Wars. But it was the Heisei era films that really hit me with Gamera because like Godzilla has a it Godzilla's a symbol, but Gamera's like not a symbol. <laughs> Definitely not. Like Gamera is always fun. Gamera films are just good. And also I think what's really neat about it is like, you know, as a kid with no friends growing up, it was hard for me to identify <laughs> with people. And like I, you know, I always try to like identify with something. And it was actually always really hard for me to identify with Godzilla because I didn't imagine myself as a violent person. And like, yeah, Godzilla did good stuff as well, but I didn't, I never was like, oh, I'm like Godzilla. I never clicked like that as a kid, like even with Mm. all those things. But with Gamera, especially with the Heisei era, I was like, yeah, I relate to Gamera because Gamera is a monster that always does what's right. Um, even yeah, though, you like, tell that to the city that he destroyed in well, the first film. No, though. and that was the thing I really liked, right? The first film. <laughs> but that was the thing about the Heisei era, era I really liked that they explored. is like Gamera is a good monster, but he does cause a lot of destruction. And like to get deep, mm. like that just kind of like helped me realize like sometimes I'll do something good, but I could actually do more damage than help. Uh, so mm-hmm. it's good to be like aware of your surroundings and try and make sure that you do like do every last thing you can do before fighting. And I just, and I, and I, you know, as a babysitter, as someone who has like taken care of children a lot through his life, it's just fascinating to see that, like how Gamera makes kids safe. Like I showed Gamera of uh, guardian of the universe to some boys that I used to babysit and they loved it, but Gauss scared them like horribly. Right. They had trouble going to sleep, and I asked them, what do you guys want me to do? Because I was always like, well, you wanted to watch a Henry monster movie. This is what you got. <laughs> you know, you said you could handle it. And they're like, well, can we? You're telling me the thing scared you? <laughs> I was like, come on, guys. Uh, but they're like, can we keep Gamera in our room? Because I always brought my toys with me, too. I was like Mary Poppins of babysitting. And I was like, what do you mean? They're like, can we keep Gamera in here so we know? that when there's a bad monster that Gamera will come. And I kind of really like that idea of like, and this is why I say that why children can watch giant monster movies of all the monster genres, why giant monsters hit with kids so much is that there's always a monster that can stop the bad one. 
And I think that's something that's really interesting because then kids are, kids learn like you don't need to be afraid of monsters because there are monsters that will also help you or protect you or stuff. And I've, I just always have found that fascinating. Plus Gamera's design is awesome. I'm a huge sucker for the tusks. You could actually even see that in my original uh, giant monster design, Tyrannus, like he has tusks in his design and that is total homage to Gamera. And like, I don't know. It's just like, I identify more with Gamera to then to Godzilla himself. And like, you know, legendary Godzilla is pretty much Gamera uh, through and through. So yeah, you know, long-winded <laughs> story, but uh, Gamera's the best, and like I love Gamera so much, I'm wearing my Lisa Nassinger Gamera shirt right now. So like, <laughs> you know, I could yeah. say that he's my favorite of all time. Like, you know, definitely <laughs> right. could beat Godzilla well, in a fight. You've earned it. You've earned it for sure. <laughs> right. Well, why do you think that Gamera in the West hasn't really taken root like Godzilla did during the Showa era? Oh man, I'm gonna have to watch my words. Um, or not. I could just continue being the black sheep to this whole podcast community and just deal every with time you say black sheep, I picture Chris Farley. I mean, more or less, <laughs> <laughs> you're not wrong. Um, I think the reason why, because here's here's the thing, right? Like everybody's like, oh, Gamera doesn't hit in the West, which is not really true. A lot of people like. Almost all the Gamera films were in Mystery Science 3000. Like, tons of properties have Gamera references. And there is a Billy and Mandy episode where they go to Japan and the giant monster that Grimm happens to be friends with is a Gamera knockoff. And his arch enemy is Kidira, King Ghidorah. Like, you know, you see, you see, honestly, you see Gamera in the media more, I think, than Godzilla sometimes, especially like, I think there's even a Justice League episode back in the day with them fighting a Gamera-like monster in Japan. Like, I feel like because Gamera is somewhat of a more unique concept, because like, how many other turtle properties do you know besides Gamera? And I think Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Well, right. And then tell me another one. <laughs> Go on. Tell me another one besides that and Gamera. Pre-adolescent Ninja Turtles. Oh, shut your <laughs> little delightful <laughs> mouth. But, but um, I think it's honestly to do with the fact that the giant monster genre is the fandom for it is atrocious. I think a lot of people are just louder about Godzilla. I also think that like, cause like I remember to be honest, I oddly enough, when I was a kid and Godzilla 98 was coming out, I saw more pictures of the Gamera guardian of the universe poster than Godzilla 98 in this, like in the grocery store. Like it was weird. Like I saw because that's what made me want to see the Heisei era. It's because I kept seeing that poster and I was like, "Oh, Gamera looks so much better than he did in that first movie." I and I love that monster. Like I want to see more Gamera. Like I just feel like Gamera is one of those things where it's like, I mean, you talk like listen to Matt like with your episode with Guron. Like a lot of people had a little bit more origin to Gamera and I don't think people give that acceptance it's my whole thing about like why you know not gonna lie a good amount of Godzilla fans today exist because of 98 and if you say like oh is Godzilla 98 a Godzilla film you'll hear the whole kind of long 
blowhearted story about why it's not a Godzilla film, even though it is till the third act when he's pregnant. But other than that, it's fine. And the Godzilla, the series is fantastic <laughs> writing and giant monstering. And like, I don't know. I just think that people, I, I just think there's a bit of a toxicity issue as well. It's just like the ignorance of not accepting your roots and realizing that like, you can like more than one monster. Like you are allowed to enjoy different parts of the aspect. Godzilla is not the whole giant monster genre at all and oddly enough he's kind of like the smallest part oh there is another turtle uh monster movie death kappa sorry totally forgot about that mm, no there it <laughs> yeah. goes oh eric i, I <laughs> and the skeleton and the skeleton turtles oh but uh, no eric you don't even know like alex do you know about death kappa i know about it but i haven't seen it oh man actually that's what you guys should do after you do camera just because it's only one movie just do death kappa <laughs> I would love to hear Eric's thoughts on Death Kappa. Do you like <laughs> turtles and musical numbers? And I think there's a Nazi scientist in that one. I can't remember. Well, Henry, you, you've established now that you're from an alternate universe where Gamera appears in the U.S. Yeah, right. I've never saw Gamera until very late. Well, there was like also after the whole college. Treadmasters line. Remember? Like, there no. was the Treadmaster... <laughs> yeah, alternate universe, Henry. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. I always saw camera stuff growing up as a kid. That's um, so strange. Interesting. And I mean, people can at me, I guess. It came from a Monster Movie podcast. If you go on T-Public, uh, ICFAM7 at checkout uh, for all that chat. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's just it's one rude. of those things where, yeah, I think, I honestly think people just don't want to talk about Nobody wants to talk about a franchise that's bigger than Godzilla, I guess. I don't know. It's just, it makes my yeah. head hurt sometimes. Well, you know, I recently tweeted, to well, uh, as of recording today, that I, I don't understand why Gamera is talked about as being awful. Besides, like everyone's like, the first three movies are good. After that, it's horrible. But we've had a pretty great time overall, I would say, on yeah. this series. Yeah, oh, no, I think we definitely have. I mean, to be honest, and like, this is, I'm going to, I'm going to say this and not like, uh, I'm jealous of you guys way or whatever. Um, but I'm oh, so oh, happy. Oh, do go on. <laughs> do go on. I'm so happy you guys are a voice <laughs> to this community because it does actually, I think people are listening because I think my issue is so like when you guys did the anime trilogy for Godzilla, I was so happy because like they're good movies. Like, uh-huh. oh God, like they work. It's Godzilla in a new light. Toho literally told them, don't make a monster mash, make it a human focused story. Sure. It's a bit like attack on Titan in space in the future. And Godzilla's kind of there, but like <laughs> it had really great points. And like, oddly enough, Godzilla, the anime trilogy was one of my first episode series. Uh, we did all three and I had uh, my friend Morgan on it. Cause she was a girl. Cause I made sure that I had a girl on it because apparently that's what Toho was aiming that market for. So every movie I was like, did you like it? And she was like, I really liked it. I didn't realize I was going to like it as much as I did. And I was like, that's so interesting that Toho told these directors make it centric for women. And most people who don't like it are not that. So yeah, no, that, that, that's interesting yeah, for sure. But hearing you guys talk about it, it made me happy because like, I'm happy that people started to rethink about it. Cause like 
Planet Eater got a B minus on my show. Uh, City on the Edge of Battle got a B plus. And then Planet Eater got an A because I was just like, I didn't realize I was going to have this philosophical debate about progress and giant monsters in a way that I was going to get it. Like, <laughs> sure, I wish the girl wasn't so whiny sometimes, but I've enjoyed this yeah. film. Um, <laughs> but like, I'm really happy you guys are doing this Gamma series and it's nice to see that people are like rethinking it again. And that's what I think is like your big strength with this to the community is like, well, it might be harder for me to like reach into the community because my show is not giant monster centric. Uh, and it's my show is more targeted to people who are unfamiliar with this wonderful menagerie of films that we as mm-hmm. a culture have created. Uh, and they're great and they totally stand <laughs> the test of time all the time. But, uh, you know, I just think it's one of those things like, you know, when you tweeted that today, I was like, right, right. Like everybody's got to stop not liking Gamera because because like Godzilla <laughs> yeah. films can be really serious. But like, think about it. The most fun Godzilla films like Godzilla versus Dora. I used to hate that film. Then I watched it for yeah. my podcast and I realized like, oh, my God, this is the Rocky Horror Picture Show of the genre. And it's amazing. <laughs> like, what a great yeah. film. And, like, Gamera has yeah. always been the Rocky horror of the genre. Just out of the wall. Like, if you take Gamera seriously, you're thinking way too hard with the <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's, let's get right to it then. Uh, for the sake of time, Henry, let's, let's get into this film specifically, Gamera versus Zegra. Before we get into our awards, I want to know, what are your initial thoughts this is like the best Showa era Gamera film. <laughs> uh, just, you know, I, uh, what a delight. So I, I watched it dubbed. I watched it subbed uh-huh. and I watched the MSK three version. Um, wow. watch, if you're going to do it dubbed, watch the MSK three thousand version. I was actually surprised. So seeing it subbed, I realized it was the first time I had ever seen this movie subbed. And it, I felt like it was hmm. much more serious than the dub. Also less chauvinistic hmm. than the dub, which I thought was an interesting point. That huh. I was quite surprised about. <laughs> because in the dub, they're like, anytime they could, they could just hate on a woman. And I'm like, huh, huh. <laughs> That's a, you That's a do, new layer. I think I, even, I think I even have a comment where I'm just like, uh, man, this movie is... Yeah, this the, this English version is pretty chauvinistic, even for seals. Because apparently, like one of the seals was a girl, and they ate on her too. And I'm like, damn! <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, so, so un- unironically, this is your favorite show of Gamera movie. Yes. Um, wow. Like, All right. I, it it is, and I'm like, whoa, whoa. We could definitely talk more about it, and you guys can ask me more questions about why, because I feel like I could just go on a rant for three hours about why I enjoy this one. But, like, well, I think we'll get into it. As we get into these awards here, I think we'll get into it and we'll start to see kind of some of the layers. Oh, and uh, and I just want to point out, like, remember, guys, this film came out in what, 1970? when did this film? one 1971 1971 right so mm-hmm. this film came out in 1971 uh and starred a shark and then oddly enough don't you think it's interesting that peter benchley then wrote a movie about a shark attacking children in 1974 or three one of those and then a hit shark movie about a shark attacking children 
came out in 1975. Jaws. Mm. Could yeah, you imagine? That, think about it. Gamera versus Zegra paved the path. If we never got Gamera versus Zegra, we'd never get Jaws. Now, you could do Google and see if I'm full of it, but I doubt you're going to, and I want to make that a historical fact that we wouldn't it's have Jaws with Gamera versus Zegra. Yeah, yeah. that, that, that's not a leap in logic at all. I, would, I, I, think, I believe you. It's quite a breaststroke. All right. <laughs> Alex, let's let's jump right into it then. And you're up first for the coolest character award. Who you got? Uh, it's got to be Zebra. He's the only monster in the show era so far to talk. But I like, not just have a laugh. He talks, and not only that, he he talks a lot of smack. He talks about how humans are ugly. Um, <laughs> now he could have been meaning like personality wise or how they treat their environment, but it really felt like he was talking about how they look. He goes on very long explanations about very basic things. It could have been summed up in 10 seconds. Instead, he goes on a meandering three-minute talk. He grows and shrinks. He gets legs whenever he wants. What's not to like about this guy? He can do anything he wants. (laughs) I mean, he grew because the the water pressure just wasn't the same here. Or what it was, air pressure. The air pressure wasn't the same. So he was able to grow (laughs) to a great size. And he explained it to us, which is really nice because... I, we would never have figured that out on our own. <laughs> <laughs> that one we wouldn't have, Alex. You're absolutely right. Uh, my coolest character is the Islander, the, the old Islander mm. and the descendant of the great Doa, I think yeah, it is. Yeah, the creepy pervert. Yeah, gotcha. Oh, you mean the guy telling <laughs> you about, about Minamoto that. and you're literally sitting here like... I don't know about that. Weren't we just singing a song about a turtle that flies? Like, why are we here? <laughs> <laughs> why are we here? <laughs> movie. I, see, this is, this is the creepy pervert coming up again from GMK. The guy that just shows oh, up. Oh, no. <laughs> no, this guy, that, that scene... It, I actually genuinely think the scene is hilarious, right? Because, you know, Kenny and Helen, they they believe that the spaceship now has has tr- made them travel in time back to some some place far in the past. Mm-hmm. But of course, the old man pulls out the radio <laughs> from his tagger clothing and says, you know, he heard about Zegra on a radio broadcast. Um, their, their thought that they've time traveled is just so perfect because it highlights, you know, just their... I guess naivety as children, but also just they're they're willing to go with it. Um, and I thought that the scene was was funny. I'm glad we never saw him again. I'll say that. <laughs> me too. But he was the coolest character for me. <laughs> so happy I never Henry, saw him. Henry, who'd again. you have, man? Uh, I just want to <laughs> point out real quick about the old man because this was one of my favorite notes I wrote. Uh, I I wrote a note going. The old man, time travel. Your knees must be hurting, Kenny, from jumping to conclusions like that. And uh, <laughs> oddly enough, in the sub, he says they're in the year 1971 or whatever. But in the dub, they, he says they're yeah. like, we're in 1985. And I'm like, who are you kidding? Uh, <laughs> but like, I, I agree with Alex. Like, you know, in the dub, uh, Professor uh, Dr. Yosuke, his name is Henry in the dub. And I was all for it because I'm an <laughs> egotist. Uh, I also really like the fact that him and the other dad scientist, pretty sure they're dating and they represent a polycule like family dynamic. And I'm like, I'm all for spreading my queer agenda into any media I can find because obviously I'm the monster. Um, but I agree with Alex. <laughs> I agree with Alex for sure that like I loved Zegra and, um, 
Because is Zegra your favorite character? <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> because, because, and the reason why, because like oddly enough, because you know we're all watching Ultraman Z and we're all in our Ultraman binges. Zegra reminded me of like an Ultraman alien, like, like more of a Kaijin than an actual giant monster. Just because, like, mm-hmm. even he was surprised. He was like. Oh, so apparently your water temperatures depth thing plot device is different from my planet's plot device. And I've now grown into a giant. This is fun. <laughs> like, it's like, so even, unneeded. But, it's but, so unneeded. But you know what's weird? He doesn't say that in the dub, I think. Because, like, when I watched huh. it, it subbed, I was like, wait, did he bring that up? I would have thought I would have written that down. And. Alex, I'll let you know now. If you think that the sub version of this is a lot of exposition, don't watch the dub. It's <laughs> like after watching the two, I was like, if you watch the dub, it's all exposition. At least the sub has some useful exposition that helped. Yeah. Um, yeah. Interesting. Oh, and and plot wise, isn't this movie just Godzilla two thousand? Just like hot takes here. <laughs> Because, like, you know, a spaceship crashes in the ocean uh, and it's trying to, like, take over the world and, like, evolve and adapt to its environment and fights, like, the main monster that begins with G. And that monster, like, gets thrown into the ocean because it couldn't handle a yellow laser beam. And then it Mm. comes back and, you know... You don't mm, think, yeah. you know, don't remember when Orga played the xylophone? No, well, <laughs> oh, man, I must, that must have so, been in a different version. Hot takes. Zegra has inspired Jaws and Godzilla 2000. Yep. Both yep. of those movies are actually good. <laughs> <laughs> well, Henry, what was your most memorable line award? Uh, I had two. One was just because this was not how it started in the dub and I loved it so much more. Which uh, was, what country spaceship is this? It's a vast universe. Perhaps others besides people are taking space trips and have development plans. This story is a warning to mankind. And I was just like, (laughs) (laughs) I I just, I just, I liked it. It's a mess. Version when the spaceship just pops up behind the set, which I was like, wow, what a really great miniature set very space right? force yeah but oh the moon base is oh, great it's amazing i can't but, believe i can't believe they didn't use it more it was oh, so good yeah but but the ship just comes up and like because in the dub it's like all gloom and doom but in the sub it's like what country spaceship is this do you know like i'm waiting for dora to show up and be like do you know whose spaceship this is <laughs> Uh, point to which country is breaking international laws. Um, none of the above. But I think my real favorite line of this movie is progress in science destroys nature. Even the dub had a version of it, which I think like scientific progress always hurts the environment. And I just think that's mm-hmm. really powerful because as I'm going to go on throughout this episode, I will also again compare this movie to Godzilla versus Adora and consider it the Godzilla versus Adora of the Gamera franchise. Oh Hot my takes. goodness. Hot takes over oh, here. Wow. The King from Monster Movie Booth. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Eric, I, what do you most, have to say? I do, well, I do think, I do think the Godzilla versus Hedera comparison is apt. I don't think it reaches Godzilla versus Hedera 
heights. Um, but does it? <laughs> I almost chose that line: "Progress in science destroys nature." Just in how ridiculous it was. <laughs> but you think that that message hit home for you? Oh yeah, Henry. Well, especially because like I've been to the Tokyo fish market. When Zegra like uh-huh. shows, like when you see clips of the Tokyo fish market, yeah, like Godzilla Sedora was talking about pollution in the ocean and how that's going to affect humanity. Gamma vs. Zegra is talking about like what's going to happen when we not just pollute the oceans to make things unlivable here. What's going to happen when we overfish the oceans? Like I, I really like that dialogue just because I think that's really fascinating for this film. Like, yeah, it's not as like Bono serious pollution tones and, you know, seventies jive music, but um, (laughs) it's just one of those things where like, the Gamera, like I said at, up top, the Gamera series is not supposed to be super serious, but I do feel like mm-hmm. this is one of the few movies that does actually have a message of like, you know, unlike Hattori, which was like clean your oceans, Gamera is more about this film is talking about like barely once you like go through like, you know, the teeth brushing like a dolphin and Kenny and Helen showing too much leg for a kid's film and all that jazz uh, <laughs> does say that like. You know, consumption is bad. Like, Zegra's planet was lost because of cultural progress. And he's now at this planet because he's like, these people are doing the same. They don't deserve it. I'm here to make sure that they don't mess it up. And I'm going to eat them so Alex can get his, this movie also inspired Final Wars comment because of cattle. Mm. Uh, So (laughs) there you go, guys. Hot takes over here. But I don't know. Like... I think people don't give Z- Gamma versus Zeke. Like, like I said, I'm not going to ignore the fact that this movie is off the walls bananas. But like deep down under some layers, the lot of layers, there is actually – because they even have that scene with the uh, dolphin caretaker who loves dolphins too much. And uh, he's fighting yeah. with the hotel owner about the fish. And I'm just like, oh, cool. It's COVID. Cause the hotel owner is just trying to like keep the fish, even though he has no customers. And the guy's like, I have animals that actually need this fish. And it's like, I don't know if I'm going to have customers, but you never know. I, this is more important that I want this fish. And I'm just like, yeah, commercialism is bad. Wonderful. Moving on. <laughs> anyway. I just, yeah. I don't think you guys were expecting these dialogues from me. <laughs> I, I almost chose progress in science destroys nature because it was just such a blanket statement that seemed so uh, hyperbolic. I was like, yeah, that, that may be a stretch for this film. But I didn't go with that. I actually went with, as you mentioned, Alex, you are too ugly and not fit to use them rightfully <laughs> from secret. <laughs> I mean, come on. You really have to yeah. take down us humans that much, you know, to call us ugly. I know. Not cool. I know. And it really does feel like an attack on looks rather than like an attack on personality. And it's uh, it, yeah. it, it, it digs deep. I know. Hey. I mean, especially me and you, Alex. It really hurts. I mean, I also <laughs> think we should talk notes about the fact that um, Zegra talked her down from committing genocide, which I thought, you know, maybe mm. deserves some credit. Where she's like, we should just kill everybody in Japan. And Zeke was like, girl, yeah. calm down. Like, yeah. just well, kill yeah. And then 30 minutes later. Only because he wanted to eat us. Right. And kill then 30 the minutes later, he's like, I'm going to kill everybody. Well, he's going to eat us like how we eat fish. It's going to be an overtime thing. He's like, look, I don't want to waste food. Like, mm. no, nah, just kill, the, just murder the two children in cold blood. That's all I want. I'll just harvest humanity. For someone, 
later on. Henry, for someone that related to Gamera so much growing up, you're really relating to Zegra a lot here. <laughs> 2020s turned me into a very different man these days. <laughs> Alex, what did you have for your most memorable line award? Yeah, so uh, I'm gonna <clears throat> my favorite line was... <sighs> Oh no. No. <laughs> I just I just unbrainwashed many people. You're welcome. <laughs> That's not a line. That's just a terrible plot device. Mm, well, it's a recycled no, plot device from the that's previous That's a film. fantastic plot device. <laughs> that's absolutely hilarious. Yes, I'm glad we got the double dip on on uh, transceivers being the solution to a problem. Oh, I, um, so <laughs> Alex. Well, Eric, I also had a runner-up. And it what? was the one I mentioned earlier. You're following Henry's lead and having two? Underwater pressure is different than ours, so it has made me abnormally large. I'll retaliate. By destroying all the people of Earth. What a completely unnecessary. He didn't have to say anything. He's an alien shark. He grows whenever he wants to. I don't care. But no, instead we get this very large line of dialogue where he then threatens to destroy all of the world that he just mansplained to his little lady servant that they shouldn't kill everybody. Yeah. Well, I mean, I would be pretty cranky too <laughs> if a giant turtle came outside my spaceship and just started yodoing it like a R2D2. <laughs> In Dagobah with a rock. Well, I actually agree with Zegra and the one guy in the orange. Uh, I can't remember his name. Oh, and he Dolphin says, Boy. Yes, he says he's unnamed, unnamed Sea World staffer. Yeah, and he yeah. says, "Who cares about people?" And I was like, "I relate to this man." Yeah, right. <laughs> right. I will say there is going back to Alex's favorite line of uh, just terrible, terrible, terrible mind control plot devising. Um, <gasps> Fun fact, guys, the dolphin that inspired it, uh, the, the the blind dolphin, that's a Yangtze River dolphin. Guess what? They're extinct. They've been extinct oh. since 2004 mm. so or so. Uh, so mm. there's a fun cultural fact about this film because that animal no longer exists. Thank because you for... of humans polluting the rivers and over-harvesting <laughs> fish, so it all comes into circles. That this well, is progress in science certainly destroys nature. nature, is what you're saying. Yes. Well, that or he's <laughs> mutated into a new type of dolphin now, and now he has f- six fins. How have you read my script for Apex this far ahead? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Alex, who'd you have for your Can't Believe That Acting Award? Uh, yeah, the old pervert who comes out of nowhere. Uh, <laughs> he, he he really sells his uh you know time traveling uh ness that oh, was projected man. on him by children. Um, yeah, he just immediately caught my attention as like one of the better moments of this movie. I think the the fact that you consider him a pervert to be telling. But Henry, what do you what do you have for your can't believe the acting award? Everything the space woman does before she's cured, just every. I, I don't know if people saw my Twitter uh, when I was working on it and a part of me, gentlemen, if this is considered a curse or whatever, but I never realized <laughs> when uh, watching it for a second time where literally I'm just like, oh my God, this movie is the podcast I've been dreaming of making. That ass from outer space. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just, just like 
I paused it by accident because I was responding to someone. I'm like, oh my God, I need this picture forever in my life. Like, I love all her acting. I think she's insane. I love how she's like the evil I dream of genie. Um, definitely noted the weird subtext, subtitle of saying that Kenny's like, she cracks her fingers and then they're under her control. I'm like, she snaps her fingers, Kenny. She snaps her mm-hmm. fingers, not cracks her fingers. <laughs> That's bad English. Uh, made me feel like a teacher again in Korea. But um, I loved her. I just I loved how dram- over dramatic she was, and I was so sad when she got cured because then she was not as fun. Even what? though she's like a well, really interesting character. Well, the she's moment a- she's cured is actually my favorite. Can't believe that acting moment. Oh, oh yeah, where she just spins like twice, I think, and is slowly cured as she dramatically falls in the slowest. <laughs> when she's going to murder children's by orcas. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Which is not a good episode. Honestly, I'm with podcast. you, Henry. I I think she's a great character. I think before she's cured. The, the woman X, I guess as she's called, is one of the more humorous parts, intentionally humorous parts of the film. So Just cool. how she chases the kids around everywhere. Uh, I, think it's, I think it's pretty hilarious. She had me entertained. But for mine, uh, I almost went with this guy for the coolest character. And again, Alex, you mentioned him. It's Shin Minatsu as the unnamed SeaWorld staff member mm-hmm. who I just found very caring and charming. You know, he doesn't want the dolphin dissected, as you mentioned. And for good, and for good reason, he cares about this dolphin. It pains him to see it. You right. know, he finds so much joy in his work. Um, and he has my second most memorable line of the film where he says, in, in the subversion at least, I don't understand complicated things. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, I, I like a simple man, uh, you know, who, who cares about dolphins. You know, he's a, he's a good the guy. The dub makes him really dumber than he is in the sub. Um, <laughs> I did not have that effect with him. He creeped me out because he reminded me of a guy I knew in college that we all called Dolphin Boy because he loved <laughs> dolphins. He loved dolphins so much that he's banned from SeaWorld for life because he tried oh. to go how to put this elegantly. Um, swimming. He went, he went <laughs> deep swimming. with. He tried to go deep swimming with the dolphins at night with music. Um, so that's why that I can't believe he doesn't have a name because he's like one of the main characters. That's very Hitchcock of this film. Yeah, that's what you I heard it here. I think about Gamera yeah. versus Zegras is Godzilla 2000, Jaws, and Hitchcock. Yeah, this inspired Hitchcock, actually. <laughs> that's somehow. that's the uh, that's the Henry difference of why people should have me on their podcast episodes because I'm doing nothing, just uh, here with my thoughts. Well, but he was a creepy guy and he loved dolphins too much. <laughs> what did you have for your standout effect award? <clears throat> Gamera playing a burlesque xylophone solo of his theme song on Zegras' spine via a rock. <laughs> A standout moment, Just to be sure. The best effect. Again, you don't go a to moment. Gamera films. I here. I wrote a really nice way to describe Gamera films. Oh, well, especially the Showa era Gamera films. Um, <laughs> uh, Showa Gamera films are like fine wine that were forgotten and buried, and you probably shouldn't be drinking it, but you are. And man, it's a good drunk when it hits. But it can leave you with a nasty hangover when it's done. Uh, and <laughs> nothing is more of a good hit than 
Gamera playing a Burlex version of his own theme song rec- and recognizing he's playing his own theme song on Zegra. It's the best. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, just how the music scores and the Fine acting. Why. It's just like, where, where's that? In- Do you see Godzilla playing a musical solo in his movies? No. Gamera is, because Gamera's the best. Mm, no, but I have seen Godzilla dance. Yeah, but he's not orchestrating his own music to a burlesque solo of his own theme song. Mm, this is true. This <laughs> well, is true. For my for my standout effect, I, you know, I'm tempted to go. You know, as Henry stated before, I, I'm tempted to go with Woman X's space outfit, but I'll refrain. <laughs> <laughs> I'll choose the Zebra Star spaceship overall. <laughs> <laughs> it does have that does have an effect, but I'm going to go with the Seeger Star Spaceship overall. It in general has so much character. It's pretty groovy, as Kenny might say. Mm. You know, it has that multicolored core, the strobe lights on the outside, and then on the inside, it's so menacing with Zegra just hanging out up above, speaking prophecies down below to us. Uh, nasty humans <laughs> uh I, I almost went with the moon base as well but the, the zegra star spaceship really stood out to me uh so you yeah. love the skittles bowls from outer space and mm-hmm. absolutely uh eric i feel like you'll describe like in my notes i wrote zegra's inside of his starship if you want to call right. it that is the children's museum from hell uh, <laughs> so it's scary is it <laughs> Is it? <laughs> did uh, did that, Theo that, get scared? Over the top. Are you scared of bright lights? <laughs> Are you scared of DNA? Weird things that apparently stop time in space <laughs> and boats. <laughs> Alex, what about you, man? Yeah, mine is. Uh, I think I gotta go with uh, Gamera's foot sticking out of the water. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't find many good effects in this one. Fine wine. <laughs> but that foot sticking out of the water after he already sinks well below the water level. And then suddenly later on in the movie, his foot is just sticking out of the water. It's it's bizarre. I actually really like the choice because it's pretty humorous. Uh, but it's it's uh, it makes no sense in the context of previous, event, pre- pre- previous events of the movie. But it is... The biggest thing I remember. <laughs> <laughs> Just, All right, Alex. What about your? Oh, that's a good shot award. Are you okay over there, Henry? <laughs> a little bit. I just every time I saw that foot, I was just like, I love this budget. Like old Doctor <laughs> Who episodes, wish they had a budget like this. <laughs> uh, Alex, what about your? Oh, that's a good shot award. Yeah. So my the good same shot thing, is Gamer's foot. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> almost. <laughs> there weren't a whole lot to choose from. Um, but actually, I really like the space woman. Uh, I guess after she emerges from the ship, she's standing alone on the rocks right before she acquires her first outfit. And she's kind of silhouetted as she stands up there. It's a really cool shot of her. Alex, Yeah, I had the exact, I had the really? exact same we one. We never uh, do that. It, it just kind of... Yeah, well, it had that sunset feel, even though it wasn't a sunset. I was about to be like, uh, Eric, it wasn't a sunset. It can't be your favorite it, shot. It wasn't, but it had that sunset feel. We get that nice wide shot of the scenery. That just got me, you know? Mm. And her just appearing out of nowhere really sold that shot there on the right-hand side. So I'm right with you, Alex. Wow. But what do you have, Henry? <laughs> 
I really liked I really liked the shot of Zegra growing. <laughs> I thought that yeah, was no, actually it, really it is. cool. Like I thought it was a real like I didn't because I actually don't know why it didn't like click. I was like, oh yeah, he's smaller than Gamera when he comes out of his little spaceship, and then he grows. And I'm like, oh, it's actually re- like it's pretty seamless of a shot. Yes. Um, and I also do want to commend this movie for Gamera revealing that he could breathe fire underwater. Um, mm, with yeah, his flamethrower, yeah. like I will always say, I think that is also a very metal special effect that Godzilla wish he could do, which is an actual flamethrower in his mouth with a suit actor in it. You know, who cares about safety? But um, <laughs> but yeah, I really liked Zegra growing. I thought that was very seamless, especially for a movie of this time. It was, it was, it was pretty seamless. I was watching it, wondering how did they do that because it looks good. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the few things. <laughs> I feel like maybe they like sput up, uh, like you know those little things that you put in water. Those little and sponge things. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. that's how they did it. Maybe <laughs> I don't know. That's that's absolutely what that prop was. It was like one of those little sponge things they bought at the store. They didn't know what it was going to be when they put it in the water, and then it just <laughs> and they based a whole movie around right? it. Oh, right. um, also more science fun <laughs> facts. You know, Zeker is based off a real animal, right? Yeah, it's called a, it's called a shark. It's called a goblin shark, Alex. Ah, yes, the Come goblin on. shark. Yeah, the no, ugly. I thought I looked it up. It's uh, Zegra's based off a gab goblin shark, which apparently was found in 1898 in near Yokohama, <laughs> which I thought was like kind of cool. So there's a fun <laughs> fact for you guys: more sharks. Also, actually, real quick, Eric, why is Gura a space shark to you? I don't know. the The blade reminds me of a shark. Right, like if you tilted the if you tilted the like blade up, it would look like a shark fin. Every so. time you said space shark for Guron, I'm like, Eric. I really wanted to text you and be like, Eric, you know our episode's not for another like few more down the line, right? <laughs> like this isn't the space <laughs> well, shark. Henry, you're you're is... always giving me a hard time about my biology. So it's part of our gimmick. It's it's <laughs> what we do when we get together. Alex and I usually agree on everything. Apparently we're not today. So I have to keep routine and got to point out that you can't tell ants from spiders unless you're in Finland. He also, in the last episode called a liger mythical. And I said, Eric, ligers are real. No, they're real animals. (laughs) Yeah, but you haven't seen, you haven't seen a liger in real life. And you've seen Napoleon Dynamite, right? I've seen a Loch Ness monster in real life. I mean, the Loch Ness monster Ooh. in real life. So, oh. you know. Well, that's that's the episode for the 13th floor. Yeah, that's for Alex. my other podcast. Oh, yeah. Alex, <laughs> I don't... We really need to do 13th floor stuff together. I think we'd have a good time. Okay. Well, <laughs> Henry... And what, I've seen a UFO. Getting back to Zegra here. <laughs> what, we, already, we already know you rated this as your top Showa Gamera film. But what do you rate this movie and why? So I rated this camera film as like I want like a part of me wants to say a three out of five on your scale. Um, I might even say a two point five just because, you know, camera, you know, I'm going to stick to my words. There's nonsense in these movies. They're not trying to do anything. They're not trying to give you a deep cultural message. Well, in this one, I say there is, but the other ones, not so much. Um, but yeah, like as, cause you got to remember, like for my show, I look at monster movies as a way of like levels of introduction, right? 
And hmm. no way in hell am I going to introduce someone to Gamera with Zegra. Not, not <laughs> a chance. Like, no, no. It's like if I'm going to introduce Gamera to people, Heisei is safe. Gamera the Brave is actually really my go-to showcase Gamera things because then people get pumped when they find out that Gamera has a theme song, which is nonsense. <laughs> but like, I don't know. Like this, you know, the Showa era is a trip all on its own but yeah like i'm actually planning to do gamma versus zegra for my earth day attack specials next year so i'm actually super curious <laughs> what its grades gonna be um in general yeah it'll, it'll depend on who you have on i'm gonna try and get a marine sure. bio- few of my marine biology friends on it but man oh man i'm gonna find some poor schmuck who's never seen any of this genre and i cannot wait to hear them cry <laughs> <laughs> That'd be good. it'll be really good well for me gamma versus zegra it's tricky to review because on the one hand there are definite flaws that need to be addressed definite right flaws. the tone has difficulty <laughs> yeah the, well the tone for me has difficulty finding a balance the characters aren't purposeful in any real sense and the editing choices at times could be jarring however I was thoroughly entertained by the humor, of which I believe 90%. And yes, I pulled that number straight out of Giron's shark fin. Uh, I believe that 90% of the humor is intentional. Almost every scene involving Woman X, the kids, Woman X and the kids, or the unnamed SeaWorld staff member had me cracking up. And if you just take this film too seriously at the end, you know, where Gamera does play Zegra like a xylophone <laughs> as the beginning of the Gamera theme song, you'll probably burn to a crisp uh, by Gamera a thousand times over. So <laughs> I, I actually rate this film a 2.5 out of 5, and it ranks a little bit higher for me than uh, Gamera versus Giron and the original Gamera film. As it should. Wow. Because it's the best wow. one in the show era. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like I just had a Shyamalan twist thrown on me. Oh, what a twist! <laughs> what a twist! <laughs> what about you, Alex? What do you got, man? Yeah, you know, I had some fun with this film. But it wasn't until probably after the 30-minute mark, maybe even the halfway point, that I'm really having fun. I was bored to tears. And just baffled by a lot of the dialogue in the movie in the first half. Like, it's funny in a way, but it's also really annoying when it keeps happening. I've never seen so much exposition in my life. I mean, there's a countdown to destroy Tokyo with an earthquake. And we take time to explain uh, with a lesson on seismic activity in the middle of a Japan getting ready to be <laughs> devastated. It. I know that it's supposed to be quirky and funny, but it gets really annoying in the first 30 minutes when it happens nonstop. But it does get fun afterwards. And there is a lot of humor and, I don't know, I would never use the word care put into this movie because I do not feel like there was much of that. But I do think (laughs) that they had a lot of fun with this movie. But honestly, that first 30 minutes set me up in a way that I I just couldn't recover watching this movie. And I'm glad my wife was here watching pieces of it with me because she was making me laugh pretty good more so than the movie was. in a lot of times and she actually got me more in the mood for the last 30 minutes. It's just pretty hysterical. I mean, who, who would have expected Gamera to throw a rock 
at Zegra to wake him up and see how deep of a sleep he's in just to go steal the little thing. <laughs> the Zegra little thing is our- snoring. <laughs> I know. Underwater. <laughs> a shark really, is snoring. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, it could have been, it could very easily could have been a mindset thing where I was just not in the mindset (laughs) to go on this weird ride like this. But I have been for the last several movies. So, with that, I'm going to have to give this a 1.5 out of 5. I was not a fan of this one, and I'm sorry, Henry. (laughs) I mean, no, you're on your own journey, and I respect that. You do you, boo-boo. Um. I, I I really like Zegra though, and I'm still baffled at why he has legs every now and then. Uh, I know he, it's supposed to look like he just has a back fin. I, know, I mean, but he's an alien. No one knows an alien, what aliens but, can do. Well, he explained everything else about himself. Why couldn't he explain why he had legs all of a sudden? <laughs> because, well, and I'm I'm actually sitting here because the moment you said like I know the exhibition's supposed to be quirky, and I'm like I don't actually you know what. I don't think it was supposed to be quirky. I think they were just like, what's going on in this movie? I know how to explain what's going on in the The, movie. Just have the actors explain what's going on in this movie so the audience knows what's happening. The first 30 minutes, almost every line of dialogue is a gigantic explanation for stuff. I mean, again, we learn all about what (laughs) what the meaning of an earthquake is and how everything is broken down and where do the numbers come from? And I'm like, why don't you go stop the lady that's about to destroy it instead of giving your son a lesson? Because <laughs> Kenny needs a I lesson. Agree. I mean, Alex, I agree with the first 30 minutes. I think the first 30 minutes of the movie are actually the weakest part of the movie, which I wouldn't say for many of the other Gamera films. But here, the, the first 30 minutes, uh, it is exposition heavy. Uh, and it's also having a tough time finding that tone, as I said. Uh, because you have, on one hand, you've got some points of being humorous, like the kids showing up on the boat, right, mm-hmm. uh, to, and stealing all of the the their father's food. <laughs> yeah. But, and then on the other hand, you've got Zegra causing earthquakes, killing thousands and thousands of people, uh, and it's just kind of brushed over it a little is. bit, yeah. right? Uh, and so it's it's having a hard time finding that tone. However, once once they exit the spaceship. And Woman X goes on the hunt for the two kids. There's some really good slapstick humor yeah. and just some really like so ridiculous, like it couldn't have not been intentionally funny moments that I appreciated. So that's why it brought it up for me. You get that Scooby-Doo chase scene with that weird music playing. Oh, man. That really illustrates that this is supposed <laughs> to be funny. Oh, uh, but is you it? know that that, <laughs> that that part was <laughs> that part was, but uh, I don't I don't know what really also hurt for me is that I didn't like the kids in this. Like these, this is the first camera movie where I was actually annoyed with the kids. Like I'm like, please get off the screen. We had Viras and uh, Giron where I really liked the kids for two completely different reasons. And then the last movie, I was kind of apathetic about them. But I think these are actually actively bad. I will hmm. say, Helen asks for Coke a lot more in the dub. Like, anytime food is mentioned, <laughs> she's just like, I want a Coke. And I'm just I like, like 
It's it, I, like I was thoroughly because like when I watched the sub, I even like made a little note being like, okay, mark every time she says Coke. But I'm like, oh, she's asking for like fruit juice and other snacks. This is wild. Oh my God. <laughs> Helen's like an actual character with dimensions in the sub version and not the dub. Interesting. Um, also, I felt bad for Margie because I kept forgetting that Margie was the older sister and she just, I like, Having right. lived in an Asian country and knowing, like, oh, you're white, like grabbing them off the street, you're in this movie now. Da 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 da. Um, I just, <laughs> I, I just was like, I bet she just had no idea what was going on. Thought it would be fun, but like, no one gave this girl direction because you'll see her in the background and she's just like darting her eyes around, like, what am I supposed to be doing? I'm wearing a star on my shirt. Like, I guess my dad's dead. Like, I'm crying now. I'm just like, okay. All right. Good good job. Why don't you give us your rhyme for our film for next week, All right. Gamera Super Monster? I had to dust off my creative writing degree from a very well-respected liberal arts college to write this little ditty for you guys. So uh, I was told by my poetry teacher that I was very good at free verse, but nothing else. So there we go. Um <laughs> Christmas comes early and white behemoth rises. Will monsters versus men survive the last ga- show of Gamera and become survivors like the Kaiju Apostle podcast tours? <laughs> yes. Good job, Henry. Uh, I, I like what they, you did. They did there. review this film. So. Well, and didn't give it two glowing reviews. Well, you know, the, a two glowing you know review. I gave them that film. <laughs> Like that's the whole. I know. Yeah. I know. Oh, it was great. It was, I love David, and we had a plan. It was like, oh, what if we like white elephant movies for our shows? And he's like, yeah, why don't we do like white behemoth and make it a joke? And I'm like, oh, I love that. And he's like, what are you gonna send me? And I'm like, oh, what am I gonna send? And then like I was like scrolling through, and I saw Gamera the Super Monsters, and I was like, Chris and David are Star Wars fans. Hey, David. <laughs> He did get me with the day time ended, awesome. though, and that was a nightmare. <laughs> uh, Alex, did you prepare a rhyme, or are you scrambling? I'm scrambling, but I'm going to go for it. Just go wing it. it. All right. Uh, the next camera is supposedly super, but will it be duper, or is it a pooper? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is good, Alex. That's good. That's a good one. Oh, to be this close <laughs> to the clap. magic. <laughs> <laughs> what about uh, you, so Eric? I, I've got, uh, is Gamera the super monster or does he just face one? I don't know. But what I do know is that our wives will steal the show. Ooh. That's right. Next week, our wives are returning to the podcast. And everybody loved our spouses on Godzilla 98. So I'm sure they are going to have some great thoughts about Gamera, yeah, super great monster. thoughts about mm-hmm. Gamera. Definitely not divorce papers. Definitely not separation. <laughs> like, definitely right. not uh, filing abuse charges. <laughs> definitely none of those things. Because Gamera definitely for not. super monsters is just always a classic. You, Absolutely. I, if you didn't like stock it's footage be before. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, no. Henry, before we sign off here, um, 
Where can people find you online? I know you've been working uh, on this Apex Field Guide that you were sharing with us. Um, do you want to tell our audience a little bit about that and where they can find you and what's in store for you this upcoming year? All right. So it came from a monster movie, releases episodes every Friday. Um, we actually have uh, two more episodes. Uh, no, by the time this comes out, we'll have another episode for July where we're doing Uncaged, and it will have, uh, it will be kind of a farewell episode, and I don't want to get into it too much. But um, my brother, who is a New York City ballet dancer, will be on that, and he'll be talking about how you can help uh, the artist community as a whole because theater is gone um, mm. because of this stuff. So, like, you can hear about him and. Like, you know, my brother Harrison's a super fantastic dancer and we're doing a monster movie that I've been wanting to do forever called Uncaged, which is a movie from the Netherlands about a killer lion. It was awesome. You guys are going to love it. Um, And we're still be doing it came from monster programming with our August of the Apes and so on and so forth. We're also currently working on our Patreon episodes. Um, because I'm too chicken to send physical rewards for Patreon um, at ev- any level, $1, $3, $5, any of those levels, uh, those patrons will get uh, their own exclusive episode. Like Alex, we're going to be doing The Thing uh, coming yeah. up soon. We're going to set that up. And Alex, it will be Alex's episode, and we'll watch it together and do an episode for it. As a thank you for supporting the show in this crazy time. And then, yes, I will be working on Apex. Um, so Apex has gone by many names and it's drafting things. It's a original story of giant monsters that I've been working on since I was in high school in ninth grade. So I've been working on the series for over a decade. Uh, my first draft had over 250 giant monster characters that I designed and created. <laughs> and I've now s- s- fiddled that down a little bit more, but the story is, after 2012, giant creatures called Apex Organisms, or AOs, start appearing all around the world. Uh, some of these creatures have subspecies, but it's going to be a very unique and original way of addressing the giant monster series, especially as a whole, because it's not just going to talk about like big giant animals destroying the city. There will also be some science stuff. There'll be some cultural stuff. Um, there's all like, it's got everything in it really. Like I'm working on wave right one right now and we'll be hopefully doing a Kickstarter soon. Um, and what's really cool just to tease people. So there'll be a price that we're still working on, but if we can raise enough money for Kickstarter, my friend, Samia, who has been on the podcast, um, already for I am dragon and she will be on it for Kong skull Island and Shin Godzilla later this year. She is a fantastic Ooh. musician, artist and voice actor. And I just found out that apparently she was the voice for the talking Genesect in the Pokemon movie legend of Genesect and has been in the Ooh. Pokemon Ooh. anime anime for some time now. And she says that if I can raise enough money, I could hire pretty much any of the voice actors who work on the Pokemon show because she's friends with all of them. Uh, so I'm making cool. this is going to be a blockbuster audio drama experience about giant monsters. So I'm super stoked about it. You can find us at ICFAM Podcast. That's I C F A M M Podcast. It came from a monster movie. We're on Spotify. Leave us reviews on iTunes. Stitcher. Uh, we'll be making some deals with. Uh, we have a T Public store. Uh, we hopefully are going to be getting a deal with Movie Spree. Um, 
but I'm not going to confirm or deny that. Um, just kind of showboating a little bit because um, it never hurts to ask. And then, um, yeah, just super cool times are ahead. And like, again, guys, we do all the monster movies. So have fun. And if you want to, if you like the show, subscribe to our Patreon and I'll be more than happy to do a movie with you. So, yeah. Oh, well, Henry, we appreciate it, man. Thanks thanks for being on uh, and, and thanks for, for uh, staying up late with us this evening. Yeah, no worries. Yeah. It's totally fine because it's definitely whenever people are listening to the show and not like after midnight when we're doing this or whatever. It's fine. <laughs> it's cool time i'm just and eric i can't wait to be to hear more about your journey with gamera alex you keep doing you i yeah you really get me on 13th floor i want to talk about my ufo experience and seeing the Loch Ness monster and some of my other Mm -hmm. cryptozoological whatnots Uh, because that's all stuff i did on my dinosaur digs so you know i'm full of stories um (laughs) that's so cool okay yeah as for us, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at MVM underscore pod. On Letterboxd, we're Eric Neely and Alex Cornett. You can email us, mvmpod at gmail.com, or leave us feedback at mvmpod.com. Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash mvmpod and receive weekly bonus off-the-cuff episodes. And if you feel so led, leave us a review on iTunes. Your review really helps. Monsters vs. Men is produced by Alex Cornett. Micah Herndon is an executive producer. Special thanks to our wives, Rock Band for PlayStation 3, Senor Honda, and you, the listener, for listening. Until next week, try to stay alive. And we'll catch you guys on the flip. <laughs> See you <all. laughs>